This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest, easiest, most professional, user-friendly, and responsive way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS to get 10% off your first purchase. Sign up for a year. Get that domain name. That is squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. All set. Jesus. It's December twenty ninth. 2016. <laughs> this is Idle Thumbs 295. You've had an entire year to get used to what year it is. I, 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 I overthought it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> I'm Chris did. Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. I overthought it. Only two more days until this year is over. I guess three more days, but yeah. Well, we're recording this uh, it's three more days until a this week year's in the over, past, no. so we have like no. 10 days until this year's over. So Don't we're tell actually anyone. Don't tell a, anyone. We're in a much more miserable position than those of you listening to this podcast who have Many fewer days yeah. until the end of the year. <laughs> Not that 2017 is probably going to be much better, let's no, be honest. It's all relative. It's, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, At least we can declare 2016 over. Yeah. I don't know. That's cold comfort, I suppose. We're recording We're recording this a week in advance, so for all we know, we're not even around to hear this recording. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's Who knows what could have happened? Yeah. No between human will ever hear this Between the recording of this and the release of it. Um, well, this is this is probably going to be a short-ish episode and a very reader mail dominated episode. But, but, but. I want buts. I wanted to <laughs> start this episode by hearing but. Nick Brecken's experience returning to Diablo One. Yeah, with your girlfriend Janelle, you guys played I did it. cooperatively. Did it. Yeah, and th- you, I didn't, I, I didn't watch much of the stream, but you opened the stream with your kind of recollected belief that Diablo 1 is the kind of most focused and coherent game in the Diablo series. Yeah. Not to say it's necessarily the best game, right? right? I mean, it's a very like janky game certainly compared to Diablo 2, which I think yes. most people would call the classic of the series. Yeah, for sure. I probably would. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think tonally Diablo 1 is at least in my memory. That's the thing. Yeah. So is that that was my memory of it, ah, right? But no, 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 no. There's no but. Oh. Well, I'm no trying buts. to give. I'm trying to give you butts, but okay. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'll have take a but. your. I don't butts. have any but. I, don't, I got no, no butts. Uh, but no, especially if they're on a coffee cup. Right. McDonald's, by the way, seems to have very quickly <laughs> recalled their butt cup. Um, because, really? Yeah. Within days after we all, everyone on the internet saw it, and oh, uh, they're just classic cups are back. They're just they're old classic non-holiday cups. No warmest greetings. So the warmest greetings is a collector's item now. I mean, that's like uh, yeah. I guess I already threw mine away. Oh man. Yeah. And you missed out on surely the, someone gross like surely some internet person went cup. to McDonald's and just ordered a shitloads of, of coffees. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that person runs the Smithsonian <laughs> <laughs> Library of Congress. Right. <laughs> we must categorize these. Butts. Every one of every McDonald's coffee cup is sent to the Library of Congress. Yeah, um, two of every one, so that one of them can be defaced amusingly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So your butts, your Diablo. Uh, butts. Yeah, no, your I mean Diablo butts, man. So, so uh, first of all, playing this game um, in uh, 2016 is really difficult, like because of like just your your constant state of anxiety and, and ennui yeah, and whatever else. It gets right? In the way yeah, of. no, it's it's hard <laughs> to stay focused on the game when uh, you know the fire is burning outside your window. But no. Uh, it's 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 really old uh, in a surprising yeah. way. <laughs> Blizzard 20, does not. It's actually twenty years old as of this year. Yeah, right? Blizzard does not even have this game on their site. You can't buy this game from Blizzard. Um, it's, yeah, it's which is unusual it's kind of for crazy. Blizzard. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, the latest patch. If you apply the latest patch, it still doesn't run on a Windows Ten uh, mm. machine. So there's some some doing there. Did some, you have to run it in patches DOS box or something? What did no, you no, no, no. Okay. There's some fan patches that have been created that okay. are just sort of barely out there. You have to dig pretty far to find them. And, but then, because we wanted to play it multiplayer, oh, um, we, we went, all right, well, let's try uh, Counting to Battle.net. One, if you have the fan patch installed, Battle.net flags you as a cheater. Wait, so if you don't, Battle.net still works for Diablo 1? Yeah, it does. It's crazy. What? The styling and everything is the same. So it's the crazy <laughs> cyberpunk, just, like, welcome to Battle.net, so they just ha- the they green just have a font, fucking, like the Matrix like a, font. And, like, they have like a Pentium 2 in a box somewhere running the old running Diablo 1. Ba- Diablo? Di- Diablo? Mario? <laughs> Where are about that Mario, that Diablo, running Diablo. Uh, yeah. By the way, that's what it's going to be like twenty years from now, trying to play Super Mario Run. Except the, it oh, yeah. it's all server driven. It oh, just it all work. It'll yeah, be the iOS yeah, ten uh, emulator, like, like Blizzard has. Um, but yeah, no, you, yeah, it's weird. You go on there and they have ads for like Heroes of the Storm, but it's like you know a, a sixteen color uh, g- gif. Just at the top of you can say uh, at the top you of can say it right. I, I, I wanted to say Jeff. I figured bitch. I figured I was in the minority. Uh, not here, you're not. Well, that's okay. That's in that's this room. Jiffs rule appropriately, yeah. and they promote uh, games. Yeah, I feel like I've lost the war on on Jiffs. Every time I say Jiff, somebody says it's Gif, and so I've just given up, and I've tr- my right. brain is now that's just like me like with my seated last that territory. <laughs> really? Yeah. Everyone says weird. Remo, and you're yeah, like, now I'm, I just say, man, it. you know what a weird thing happened last night? I was doing some like thing what was i i was on a, a site that wanted to create an account for me and i can't remember what it was it was something completely benign though it was not like uh applying for a passport or something it was just yeah. something that just wanted to do a background check on me for security purposes and they did one of those things where they pulled yeah then they pulled like five <laughs> pieces of information about me and they were testing me like have you ever lived in this address like oh yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the questions was uh which of these people have you ever associated with and on the list was christopher remo and i was like what the <laughs> What is going on with this stupid shit? I've never gotten that question. It was oh, I know what it was. It was for FedEx. I was making a FedEx account so I could so I could just sign up. It's because you guys shared an address. Probably you guys probably both had FedEx. That must be it. But it was still it freaked me out. Or why does FedEx know this? Or they just paid for access to the fucking Facebook social graph and they just had that information. I mean, or however the fuck that works. Yeah, these this like five question. Uh, background check is a thing that I've I've gone through that on FedEx but also like numerous other websites just have that now yeah websites that deal I guess with like like sensitive information Mm -hmm. or delivery Uh, no no not even well I mean it's probably also just used for that well yeah sure but I'm but I mean ones that make you proactively answer that tend to be things like delivery service financial services things like that yeah it's and it is always very weird it was very how much information I mean it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone no no it's still weird but it was very I haven't gotten the associated with oh yeah I've actually tried to set up a FedEx account a bunch of times and it, it always fails even though I like yeah, it acknowledges that I got the information correct but right. it's like there's some other reason we can't give this to you it's yeah. infuriating uh, we have, we, on your uh, file you've associated with Nick Brecken therefore <laughs> therefore Nick Brecken separately indicated <laughs> right. he's the, he's associated right. with you right. therefore you have your account has a flag <laughs> sir it seems like there's a flag <laughs> 
So anyway, once you navigated anyway. this, you, you closed all those frames. Right, uh, I got all those JavaScript pop-ups on Battle.net. Uh, so okay, so uh, Battle.net still functions as as the original Battle.net. So I, wait, so I was in USA One chat room with one other guy. <laughs> oh man, uh, for did the you, original so, Diablo. So did you have to strip all the patches out to get this to work, or did you? Well, yeah. So that that's what I did at first. I was like, well, I guess I'll just try not using the fan patch and just see how far I get. And so I went on a Battle.net and tried making a game. And God, the craziest thing! I spent a half an hour trying to solve a problem. That so like you know I was creating a game on Battle.net and then trying to join it from the from a computer that's on the same network and it was every time uh, saying that the game was too um, uh, the latency was too high the latency uh, in Diablo yeah on Diablo uh, and uh, did it, you make a gif of the Latin the high Diablo uh, latency <laughs> <laughs> but but so here's the thing uh, while I was trying to problem solve this thing I realized that this is the, this is a problem that I like 20 years ago had <laughs> oh, trying to do the exact same thing and I was just having crazy like with weird the same sh- person Janelle Janelle <laughs> 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 um, Anyway, so I had to throw the Battle.net idea out the window. There were 90 people playing Diablo 1 at the time in the world, uh, in the world which is crazy or to think about. Or on your U.S. server. Yeah, uh, uh, I guess probably in, on that um, server. There are four servers in the world. So, okay. So okay. there's the USA, East, and sure. West. So and, let's and say there's Asia like 360 and, people probably. playing. Yeah, yeah. So nobody's playing this game. Uh, so then I realized, well, the only other option, unless I want to do like null k- k- modem uh, <laughs> bullshit, is, uh, is to try IPX, um, which... I learned as of Windows 10 is no longer uh, a protocol that is supported at all by Windows. You can't even like go into the system, like deep into the system settings, and like enable uh-huh. a network to be IPX. So I don't even. I, I still to this day don't even really know what IPX is. I don't either, and I spent two <laughs> hours figuring this shit out. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I, I, you know, I got. Did you have both, to like emulate IPX? Yeah, there's some guy who has created an IPX wrapper that will enable uh, IPX multiplayer for games like StarCraft and Diablo, and then also I played the original like, tribes over IPX. Yeah, there are a couple. There's there's a list of about 20 games that this wrapper now enables, which is really good, um, and it works. And after like four hours of running through all this bullshit, I finally loaded up <laughs> Diablo, and it fucking worked, and I was really really happy. Nice. And so that stupid guys- town music came up, and I was like, Oh, oh my yeah. god, Jesus! Don't call it it's stupid. It's the best Matt track Ullman's ever. It's stupid Tristram because theme. it's stupidly good. It's just it's oh, yeah. it's unstoppable. Um, did you but, guys stream uh, both? Like, how did you? How did oh you... man! Well, that's the other component to this is that I had to set up a stream where I had skyped in Janelle on her webcam onto my machine, and so we had both of our faces in the, each bottom corner. Um, and then, but you didn't have both of your screens running. No, not both of our screens. I it's technically possible, but I felt like it's probably gross. I don't even know how you do that. Like it ugh, like a split screen yeah. on a wide I mean maybe like a cam- maybe like a camera that procedurally cuts. Really line up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I didn't attempt that. But no, this the Skype thing actually worked really well. So anyway, yeah, I was playing Diablo and the the one thing that I that I really want to say about Diablo which is um Actually, in light of recent Diablo news, uh, because there was an article written um, uh, recently, and I wish I actually had it queued up and I could point people to it, but um, about the history of Diablo, I think it was in Polygon, and um, the thing that uh, was sort of revealed, which I didn't know until I read this thing, was that Diablo, at, at a certain point, was 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 being designed as a, as a turn-based game. Oh, this must um, have been based on... David Brevik's GDC yes, talk. Yes, that's what it is. I attended that at that's GDC last year, and it was right. an amazing yeah, talk. Yeah, 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 okay. So I had not, uh, you know, watched any Diablo or played any Diablo since that talk, right? So w- while I was playing this game, and I, I remembered uh, that information, yeah. and in light of that, I think 
weirdly, I think because that decision had been made so recently to that in that in the sort of process of making yeah, that Diablo game was developed games, in a not right. as long as. I mean, like, right. Diablo 2 took a lot longer to develop than Diablo 1 did. So the thing that I noticed while playing it, just right off the bat, was how slow it is in comparison to other Diablo games. There's no run. You know, right. you're, yeah, you're sort yeah, of, yeah. you're always sort of walking quickly, which is hilarious. It looks hilarious. You're this big warrior with your sword out and your shield up. Right. And you're just sort of tip-tapping your way through dungeons. But, uh... You, just immediately you realize that like it's forcing you into decisions that are so much more interesting than you ever encounter in another Diablo game uh, because the plotting nature of this and also the way that doors function in Diablo games where you have to open the door but sometimes you can't see all the way through and and, and the combat is much more brutal in Diablo 1 just by nature of it being kind yeah. of a more older hardcore RPG Um and so I was playing with Janelle, and I knew we were going to have a hard time because she's never played an older Diablo game, really. But man, like, you have to play almost like you play a Dark Souls game. Like, I actually huh. drew, a, in my brain, I was like, oh man, this is the sort of, uh, you know, d- whatever, top-down 2D version of, uh, of, of a, of a so Dark this Souls is, game. It's a never-go-for-it like, situation. You can't go for it. If you go for <laughs> yeah. it, because of the movement speed and because of the right, way that this game was designed flee. as a turn-based thing, you can get cut off yeah. by enemies in a way. Like, you can basically, you start to look at the room almost like an XCOM game, you know? Um, and uh, it's so much more interesting than what, like, if you load up Diablo 3 now, it's just basically, like, blowing shit up. And, like, forever. shit's yeah, just yeah, going yeah. everywhere and spells are flying. But with Diablo 1, you have to actually sit there and I, I, you know, after a while, I would just start to talk to Janelle like I would talk to somebody playing a tactical game or something. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go through this door. Okay, fuck you. You're fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, fucking fuck, fuck. Can you just fucking play? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of that uh, to, be, to be sure. But, yeah, no, I, that, was the, that was the big takeaway for me was that you could clearly see that at some point this game was being designed with a different intention. But then when they made it real time, there was still the vestige of all that, you yeah. know, sort yeah. of um, – considered slow plotting stuff and I actually think that that probably is a stronger core than where it is now which is this very fast like you know uh, uh, I don't know for lack of a better word visceral yeah you know, that's the I yeah. mean that's the fucking sure. like buzzword yeah, yeah, yeah. that they were using for Diablo 3 yeah. and it's true it's just bodies flying everywhere and just non-stop action I, I think I actually prefer Diablo 1 to all that stuff and I, it's 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 interesting well, now to that go the back moment and, for that yeah. is sort of back right I mean yeah. oh yeah Bliz- Blizzard will probably never make Mm-mm. that game again just because of what Blizzard is. Oh, someone could make a Diablo 1 But someone like, could totally yeah. make that. Yeah, when yeah. you think like, about the eras yeah. the, the Diablo games were born into, um, Diablo 1 was born into an era bef- bef- sort of when PC gaming was still mm-hmm. its own separate thing that had a little bit of overlap with console gaming, but it was they, those were essentially two different worlds yeah. of people, right? For the most part. Um, obviously, there are exceptions. And Diablo, so Diablo one makes sense in that context. And then Diablo two came out in 2000, which was sort of at the beginning of the period of time when like any mainstream game all started just filtering into like selling to basically the same category of person. Mm -hmm. It still wasn't, we weren't quite in that area yet, but like we were getting there and Diablo two was definitely the like much more polished playable thing. And by the time Diablo three comes out, we are deep into the era where it's like, if you're making a mainstream game, you want it to be on any possible platform and be played by like basically any possible category of game person. Um, which you know has its positives, but also kind of well. Even Diablo the 3, traditional wisdom dictates it locks out games like Diablo One. But 
Now we're also in an era where in a post-Demon Souls, Dark Souls oh, world, yeah. where you can make a game that isn't going to sell 10 million like Diablo 2 did. And I think like, that Diablo 3 somehow is like... Well, Diablo 3 1.0 is very different than Diablo 3 modern right. one, which yes. I think even pushed Diablo but, 3 even farther in the direction that you're saying. Right. That, yeah. right. Well, you know what will be interesting is they, they're, they're, um, they're doing a January update to Diablo 3 that is um, basically just like a Diablo 3's take on Diablo 1. Like they're going in... And, really? Oh, you didn't hear about this? No. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're. It's not a remake in the in the strictest sense, sure, right? But course. it's just like. Are they finally turning the colors back to what they should be? Remember <laughs> no. when that was a thing? Uh, <laughs> oh God! You know what's funny? Like, and I was even thinking about that. Sorry, <laughs> I distracted you. Nick. Well, no, it's tr- <laughs> here's the thing though. Like, uh, the color issue is not really the ta- like the 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 line of attack that that I would take with that. But I think that there's a there's a kernel of truth to all of that stuff when when that when that Diablo three was announced and screenshots were released. It's not so much the aesthetic um, choices. It's more that in Diablo 1, it's very clear that just basic uh, like lighting is really important to the gameplay. Like you can't, the fact that you can't clearly see into another room or the fact that even just like right in front of you, an enemy might blend in, in in the dark and come out and surprise you is actually like, it's a serious problem while you're playing that game and it makes it good. It makes it much yeah. more tense of an experience. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily like, oh, the rainbows and stuff. But like when you go well, back Diablo and look at these Diablo 2 was already Diablo 2 had already done yeah. that. But yeah. if you go back yeah. to Diablo 1 though and realize that it's actually, again, it's another thing that reminds me of Dark Souls in a sense, where there are levels in Dark Souls that are like, you can turn the gamma up and basically cheat. Yeah. But if you if you play it correctly, uh, it's super dark and scary and weird, and you have to like be very careful. And uh, I don't know, it's there, there are design elements um, that I think uh, it would be interesting, yeah, for people to go back and look that, at this, that's a, this that's, stuff. And, it's really good to get your specific perspective on this, having just played it, because I also have spent years kind of just with this like generalized like god i remember diablo 1 just being so yeah. intense and sort of um tonally strong but i but i don't know if i necessarily could but i think the stuff i would have probably said to back that up were things that i th- i think are still true but are only a f- only a percentage of what makes the whole thing true mm. which is like well you know it has that sort of resident evil older game is just harder to right. play thing which makes it more tense which is true but also isn't really something you can intentionally yeah. do or at least you can but it's very difficult right. to intentionally do yeah, well yeah. um and i would have said things like it's just harder overall i also would have said the simple like the the diversity of stuff you have access to is just smaller, which right. makes it less of like just a wacky toolbox, which Diablo 2 totally is, as much as I love Diablo 2. But some of the stuff you're talking about are things that I would not have remembered, just couldn't have remembered without but going they, back and but playing But they do it. enforce your memory But they memory further bolster yeah. the like I mean, emotional memory yeah. of the thing. It, you know? has, it has the Dark Souls loop a little bit where you go down two levels into the dungeon, you have like six potions on you because you can't afford anything more than that, right? Like you're so resource limited in a way that like with modern RPGs, you just basically never are. Yeah. Uh, you get down uh, into the dungeon, you start to like use your potions, you're running low, you have to sit there and make a choice. Am I going to try and run back up? I might die on the way back. Do I spend the one town portal that I have? Like you're so resource limited. And like Diablo 3 doesn't even have health. Po- I mean, it has health potions, but it, your health always just regenerates in right. the background, so you basically don't need them ex- other than for boss fights. Th- looking at the difference between how difficult and all the choices you have to make at every, yeah. it, like in every second that you're playing that game, versus now, which is just the choice you're making is a skill tree decision or something like that. You know, like Diablo One basically doesn't have that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't care. Like it's it's much more interesting in the moment to worry about these kind of like. 
dynamic uh, yeah. sort of emergent uh, uh, problems, you know, versus versus just like how am I going to build my character and like what do I what do I do I have cool shoulder pads, you know, like that stuff. Just I don't know. It's In interesting retrospect, that it's, yeah. When you think about it, the natural sort of inertia of any video game series, like any video game series, I would say even including probably, and I, I can't I actually declare this with Dark Souls, but I'd be curious to hear if you agree in the case of Dark Souls, but I'm just saying in pretty much any series is to rough out, to smooth out rough edges to make the game more accessible. No matter how hardcore a series is, sequels will almost always, I'm sure there are exceptions, but the natural tendency Mm -hmm. is towards smoothing that stuff out. In part, probably because the original game that has the weird roughness and challenge is probably a combination of intentional challenge and unintentional challenge because the designers just hadn't done this enough to know what they even can smooth out. You can't see the game from the outside until you ship it. Right, exactly. And so when, you know, when they're making Diablo 2, even if they had very similar intentions, it's really hard to maintain that stuff because you're like, well, some of this stuff was hard on purpose and we're going to make it less hard. But some of the stuff we didn't even intend to make like that. This might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think you can kind of see uh, the same um, phenomenon in film where the original, like an original film oh, yeah, that, is, sure. that is made on a $20 million budget or I guess, you know, back in the day, like a $2 million budget or something. And then they're handed, you know, 10 times that for the sequel. And it's just the, the, like not having the stress of having to worry about those constraints always ends up with something. Oh, yeah. that can... I think that's true. Uh, um, and I think that that is a thing that you see happening in games. But the thing that is... The thing that makes a game sequel different than a film sequel, and, the, and where I think it's sometimes maybe more lamentable even that you can smooth things out in a game, mm-hmm. is like if you're making Diablo 1 and then you make Diablo 2, you don't have the time to see how the game can oh, age and yeah. how people are really yeah. playing your game. That's a good I mean, point. like that can happen in a movie, I guess, where like making a sequel to something after you see how it's how it's appreciated in time, but it's different in it. Like, yep. you know, yeah. the way that like it, it seems like people. Uh, I don't know exactly how no, to You know, you know what I mean, I right? People, like, can, I mean, people can essentially treat your game as a tool that they are using in a way that, I mean, that's a right. cross way of putting it, but no, like, it no, it's they true, can though. literally discover a different way to play it. Yeah. You, even if it's a subtle difference that you did not, like, which is just... Like the, the health potions to a health recharge thing from Diablo 1 to Diablo 2, I wonder if that same choice would have been made had they... I think yeah. it's... Diablo 2 doesn't have that, right? It was Diablo 3 has the... Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Th- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but okay. But sure. That that that. But they still. It's still. That, my my analogy does not hold if it's three because three came out years later. People knew how people played Diablo one and two by the time they played three, and they made that a very sure. deliberate choice. Sorry, right. when you you said two, and I didn't remember that either. But I. Yeah. Anyway, but there was a lot smoothed over in two for sure. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I but, wonder. But I mean, you're your right, point though. still stands. Like, I think your point. Yeah, your point does still stand, especially since Diablo one was made in an era before like let's play videos and like all the other things that would you know would have created a like this right. like meta community it's, it's obviously of, it's obviously also complicated by it being blizzard a company that wants more and more people to play their game every time and they want they like they deliberately kind of want to smooth it out but like yeah. mm-hmm. it, it it seems like they also probably got a bunch of letters and stuff saying your game is really hard and didn't hear oh, from yeah. the people who who were like, I fucking love how hardcore it is. And I, right, like, I'm sure they're from some of those people, but just the way that feedback works, you always get more of the negative than. What the do positive. you think? I mean, what do you think about the the Souls series in regards to that? Because that is well, that is a series was, that was, that yeah. does from the outside seems like seems like it does smooth itself out, but it also seems like they try very hard to keep those games really hard because they 
the the feedback loop on how people are really playing those games yeah. feels like it's tighter than it was yep. on Diablo. They've got they've got the thing where it's like they're the generation the people who design, who are working on Dark Souls like probably grew up playing yeah. much tougher games and so now instead of the inadvertently we're just making the coolest thing we can and it happens to be easier it happens to be hard based on our design philosophy the Dark Souls like they know what they're doing probably because they're it's informed by like, yeah. intentional I think it's still, it's still it still has to be difficult, but I think I think in general I think you're right. Like the philosophy behind those games seems to be hold on to as much of this stuff as possible because it's what makes this thing actually. And, and people good. still get and annoyed that Dark Souls Three is that's what I was gonna say. Is Dark Souls Three is, the, is you know is a is a very recent example of, of how uh, you, even if you budge just this much, people are starting to push back. Right, where like you can move now while you're healing, and that's like that's like a it's like a big a big big, big change that people right, don't right. necessarily yeah. like. Yeah. I like it. But that's like I liked it before I played. Right. I didn't play one, you know, Demon Souls and then Dark yeah. Souls one and Dark Souls two. Yeah. I like it because I played Dark Souls three first. But I'm sure if I had played them in the correct order, uh, I would feel the exact same way as people. And so, you know, and I think in retrospect, maybe I, what I really want to do after playing through uh, the early Souls games is, is to play through three play again, through again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and see how my opinion of that has changed. Yeah. So here's a here's a hypothesis about one of the things that enforces this progression. If you so okay, so you're making a game, you make a sequel. Mm-hmm. You don't want to literally just make new levels for right. the exact game you have, right? I mean, that is there are series that have done stuff not far from that, but that is not what a designer wants to do, right? Right, and so you want to make something that actually really evolves what you've done. It's really, 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 really hard in game design to make a change that is flatly neutral. Yep. It is really hard to make a change that is just interestingly different, but doesn't change the dynamic in a way that like affects the challenge curve or anything else. Like almost any change you make is going to have some like qualitative impact on people's ability to play the game one way or another, even if it's small. And in a game like Dark, in a series like Dark Souls, that is amplified because people play these games in a hyper attentive way mm-hmm. because the game requires you to. So any minute difference is going to be amplified more than it is in another game series, like in well, if like Diablo, for instance, which increasingly you can basically just like tiptoe, th- like sort of waltz through, yeah. you know, but with s- sort of spamming everything. I don't know if that's still true in the latest Diablo three update. So you know, whatever. If I'm wrong about that now, but right. that's certainly how it felt playing that game when it came out. Um, and so then, like, confronted with that reality, it's got to be really hard to justify making a change that is potentially going to reduce the size of your audience. Oh, yeah. Because it makes the thing less sort of, like, uh, more, like, ex- if it pushes players away more, even an audience that is already accustomed and, like, desirous of challenge, mm-hmm. how do you know what their breaking point is? Like, how do right. you know if, like, maybe you had, like, the amount of challenge you have is like just um, as much as people will swallow. I mean, that I'm obviously exaggerating, right? Like it's probably never going to be that like exact hair trigger, but there's just, it's always going to be a, like much harder thing to justify and do to make something that could potentially make your game more exclusionary. Even if it was, even if the series affection for the series was built on it being really difficult. I mean, you know, uh, you always look for that, like, um, play test where where how how like what's the average time that people bounced off of this thing right yeah 
I bought Dark Souls 1 and I bought Bloodborne and I think I played 30 minutes of each and bounced off of them faster than I've ever bounced off again in my life. That's what happened to and me so, with the original Demon Souls before I went back and yeah, got back into it. Yeah. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, you have to admire the the fact that they're that that's just what they're doing and well, and I think typically with with a game like this even like especially with something like Diablo, right? I think they doubled down on if you look at 2 and 3 on like hardcore mode and sort of giving you the options yeah. to to you know opt into yeah, that stuff, yeah. right? Which I guess is fine, but I do think that. Mm, but it's it's, it's definitely but that, it's that, doing it through inorganic means. Exactly, I was gonna say or, it's, yeah. it's it's different. It's a different situation than 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 Diablo's challenging mechanics. Diablo's is, challenging is a very different thing than just adding like everything more damage in the game, to the monsters or right, whatever. Exactly right. right. Everything um, in the game in Diablo is what contributes to make it really yeah. hard, as opposed to just more hit points. You need to stay alive longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was I just gonna say? Uh, Oh yeah, the bounce off thing. That is something that I think furthers these dynamics we're talking about because back when Diablo 1, for instance, came out, if you bounced off a game in 30 minutes, you will probably bounce right back into it a oh, day yeah. later, later or a week later because you don't have infinite games because there aren't infinite games. Right. Like the number of games that exist in the world is lower and also your instantaneous access to them basically doesn't exist because you have to go to a store to buy the thing. It's probably more expensive than it is now. Like games were still right. 50 or $60, but that is worth that it costs more right. than fifty or sixty dollars yeah. now does. Also, there due was just nothing like Diablo, right? So even if it, even if it's yeah, seemed you didn't really have difficult, a ton of options. It was probably still satisfying enough just to be in that town. Right. If that the you tone, would just kind of yeah. figure out how to play it after a long time of it's, like. It's funny. I remember that's what happened to me with Diablo One. I remember yeah. Demon Souls got the pickup that it did at least in my brain because instead of like that's true that people were bouncing off it or people just didn't even know about it. It was getting lost in the noise. But Demon Souls was a game that it felt like people who write about games were just yelling about it for mm. weeks and it was i was mm-hmm. it was a different tone that i was used to for that though where i, I remember just like i remember it, it was lee alexander on twitter i think who just like basically every other day for two weeks just said <laughs> if you're not playing demon souls you're an idiot because it's a hardcore like impossible game that of the type that no one makes anymore and if you lament that this sort of game doesn't exist and you're not playing demon souls mm. i know that sounds dumb but like just please look at it look at it yeah, look at yeah, it yeah. look at it and like it's it's rare that I'm people sure she actually... Was, I'm sure she was actually one of the people at the time who convinced me to play it because I was working at Gamasutra. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which she also was at the time. And like... Sometimes I, with those games, I mean, like, I, I, like I the, had a similar experience with Far Cry 2, for instance, where I bounced off of that game and, and uh, I had yeah. to be hammered over the I head by, by you guys, I think, to play yeah. it. So, yeah. 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 It's tough. It's, it's, I mean, it's really difficult to, like, to know when you're bouncing off because... You, it's just not for you and when you're bouncing off because you just need that one more like little push to discover that it totally is for you it's re- that's really hard yeah 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 well I'm glad you played Diablo and I'm glad you shared your experiences yep. with it that was really illuminating to me yep, yep. you guys want to take a break yeah, let's take a break sure our last break of 2016 hmm. enjoy it video games this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Blue Apron Blue Apron sends directly to your door um, all of the ingredients and recipes you need to put together a really delicious dinner meal. A uh, dinner meal? Yeah, several times a week. They have different plans you can sign up for that will send you sort of different configurations, whether it's for two people or a family of four or what have you. And you just have all the stuff in your kitchen and you make the meal. They're like generally very straightforward recipes, but across a wide variety of 
cuisines and sort of protein types, and there's vegetarian option if you if you prefer that. Um, yeah, you get, you get a lot of stuff that you already know that you like, but then there's also a lot of surprising things that show up that are right. really fun to cook. Yeah, exactly. Um, here are some examples of some of the December menus. Mm. Roasted pork and braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples. Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice. And brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts and pea shoot salad. So that is like, those are three different things that are across like, you know, a decent variety of cuisines, but like can all be basically cooked in one pan with all the stuff you get in the box uh, from Blue Apron. And I have through that kind of thing, I have ended up finding like a bunch of ingredients um, like couscous. I really like now. Not that I didn't like it before, but it didn't really ever occur to me to make it until right. I made it in a Blue Apron meal. And that set me off on this whole like Moroccan kick that I've gotten really into. And I'm really glad that I was just exposed to that in the kitchen as opposed to just like in a restaurant or something. It's different when you when you prepare it yourself and yeah. figure out how it works. Exactly. You, in, you, you Your internalization goes up, if <laughs> you will. So if you go to... Sorry, Nick. It's if, true. <laughs> it's if fine. you go to blueapron.com slash idle, that is blueapron.com slash idle, uh, you can get your first three meals free with free shipping mm. included. So don't pass that up. Blueapron.com slash idle. Make a meal. Make a few meals. Make three meals <laughs> for free with free shipping at blueapron.com slash idle. Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is an incredibly fast, easy, convenient, user-friendly, responsive way to make your own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Any kind of website you need, Squarespace can almost certainly make it. They have 24-7 customer service. Uh, you can get started without a credit card, get your whole website set up before you commit. And when you do, use the offer code THUMBS to get 10% off. And if you sign up for a year, you get a domain name thrown in there as well. So it is in one single transaction, you can have everything you need to get your whole website started up. I am going to use this opportunity to Uh-oh. to re-recommend mm. a, a website created using the thumbs offer code on Squarespace, pntgrm.com, uh, <laughs> home of the senpai, the Seinfeld visual novel, mm. the Seinfeld anime crossover visual novel that I thought was fantastic and is hosted on a really ridiculous looking website that was uh, against like, all of Squarespace's it's the, squares, the shame of Squarespace, yeah. Yeah, was, it looks like a <laughs> 90s vintage uh, GeoCities Geo or something. Yeah. But still perfectly responsive. I know. I works love it. On all I, your love, I love that that website is just garbage, but it's also. Uh, it's got a little just, menu that expands out when you click on it. It's got that hamburger. It's got everything you could ever want. It's, I don't know if it's a hamburger. On it's that not side. a hamburger, but it's, it's still a dynamic menu. And it was made on Squarespace with the thumbs promo code for 10% off. And it's got a hilarious free Seinfeld game that you can play right there in your browser. What's the URL again? pntgrm.com it's pentagram with no vowels it really shows the the how far you can push squarespace and so what's the what's the deal chris what's what's the deal chris uh squarespace.com squarespace <laughs> well yeah, let me tell you uh 10 off your first order and sign up for a year get a free domain name you can get started without having to sign up or put any money down um well you have to sign up but you don't have to put it put any money down and then when you're ready you get that 10 off with the offer code thumbs 
Everything you need. What a deal. It is absolutely a deal. That is the deal. All Nick. right. Oh, thanks. Video games. Are we back? Yeah, we're, yeah, why not? We're back. We're back. We never left. Let's just be back right now. We are back. Hey. Hey. Yeah. We're not back, are we? We are. Nikki, oh. Nikki Dracott writes, hey, Thumbs, I'm writing to tell you about a TV show here in the UK I've only recently found, despite being on its third season. The show is called Time Commanders, and it's somewhere between a history program and a three versus three esports. The teams are not pro athletes. <laughs> Nick's response, he's like, yeah, okay, okay. Huh? <laughs> esports? <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, what? The teams are not athletes. They're members of the general public that apply to be on the show. The show uses the Total War series to recreate historical battles. What? There are two warm-up games followed by the main battle. Before, during, and after the battles, both the show host and on-hand historical experts set the scene, comment on the battle, and provide an after-battle report. In between battles, weapons and tactics are explained by experts via pre-filmed videos. Is this show hosted by the people, uh, by the hosts of Three Moves Ahead? Because if it's not, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, they, it they missed their should chance. be. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. I think because this show doesn't focus on the video game elements, it gets to be mature in its content, which is what makes it well worth a watch. I believe that because the teams aren't athletes, the video game element is more enjoyable, maybe even more relatable to an average person like me with a passion for video games. Time commanders? Uh, yes. Huh. Um, the sh- for those interested, it airs at 9 p.m. Tuesdays on BBC Four in the UK. If you can find it, I recommend giving it a go and maybe even applying for season four. Oh, I'll apply. Nick, you got to be a time commander. <laughs> Keep podding those casts, Nick. Well, I mean, in the tradition of like every single British show, surely this will just get adapted. <laughs> oh, Except man. it'll get adapted oh. and they'll use Call of Duty. Oh, the American version would be it would be weird. Yeah, they would use Call of the Call of Duty series, and it would be explicitly sponsored by Activision, and it would be miserable. Colbert isn't using those CG eagles and they would hire to some, wipe. Uh, they would to hire like a, anymore. like a, a B tier comedian probably to host it. Uh, I'm just imagining what it would. They, be. Could, they could hire us to host it though. That's true. Or they could hire. Uh, Idle Thumbs Network stars Rob and Andrew. Yeah. Of esports today. I guess yeah, it could be an esports today three moves ahead collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Time Commanders US. How do they call it Time Commanders? That does not sound like a his. That sounds. They like travel. A, they go through through time through history, I mean, I and then they're commanders because they're playing a video. game. I get game. the connection. It's just when you combine those things, it sounds like a like an arcade game. It sounds like Time Crisis or something. It is. There's this cool shield though with. Uh, oh my time god! It looks like it. that I mean, too. It's a, it's a cool. Uh, yeah. That is a British television oh, logo yeah, for yeah. sure. Solidly. Uh, How much sort of weird, gross gold texture and fog can you have on there? <laughs> it looks like something from a. Um, it looks like brass eye. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I'm glad to know about this. We should find some clips. Yeah. I because I because it could be the as described. It could have so many different like well, executions yeah. of that idea. Hopefully, it was a show. hopefully the, the aesthetic is really nice. Hopefully, like as people win and lose, it's like basically narrated by Great British Bake Off people. Where it's <laughs> oh like, man, yeah, his army has retreated. <laughs> Just, that was a nice maneuver. Yeah, <laughs> that was nice play. <laughs> what Nick? There was a show. Oh, there was a show when when the original Total War, uh, when the not the original Total War, but um, Rome, the first three D Total War came out. There was a, a, a History Channel show. Oh, yeah. that used footage of like Rome battles and stuff like in the in the game engine, 
and then ex- just whatever. It was like, other than that, it was just a, a typical History Channel like show heads. about. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That was essentially B-roll. I can't even yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah, it was basically just B-roll. Yeah. But they were just like, oh, using this computer, this advanced computer simulation. I, we well, have, right. They, we never, have, they didn't acknowledge what the source was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just like <laughs> using our using our most powerful PS2 supercomputers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just we've we've simulated every agent, every every historical agent right. in the in the computer. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just like stupid guys flying everywhere anyway that's what makes me wonder about the execution of this show as well because i think in the back of my mind i had that history channel thing in there and i didn't remember because yeah my my initial assumption was just like i wonder if they even acknowledge that it's total war Mm -hmm. that it's like a commercial product that you can just buy for 50 dollars strap in time commanders let's go back to history in (laughs) history where you are the generals (laughs) right Right. yeah uh yeah, I guess the American version of that could also be a daytime Nickelodeon game show. It would be Nick Arcade, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they have that as that? well on the BBC right now. There's a weird oh, uh, yeah? BBC video game show where people like play Super Mario Brothers and stuff. It's yeah, yep. Hmm. They got a lot of weird stuff <laughs> on the Beeb. Well, uh, thanks, Nikki. Dustin Keehan writes. Hey, Thumbs, recently you guys have talked about lo-fi or no-fi game development, and we're trying to think of good examples of it. You should take a look at Pure Solar and The Great Architects, a game that started development for the Sega Genesis in 2004 and was released as a playable cartridge in 2010. I think this is one of the best examples of lo-fi game development, although there are other things uh, similar to this, like the game Retro City Rampage, um, which came out of the developer's attempt to recreate Grand Theft Auto 3 on the original NES and was originally called Grand Theftendo. I can't remember more right now, but I'm sure there are similar projects out there where the developers purposely limit themselves to making a game that can fit and play on an older system. Thanks for all the great pods and streams uh, for the hours of entertainment each week. I think that's a very different definition of lo-fi game development than where this conversation thread started, because this start it started off more like equivalence to people just taping themselves and it becoming a band that you record, whereas that is like the, those examples of a spending a decade on a Sega Genesis cartridge that can run on hardware or like Grand Theft Tendo, that feels Is like... Is it like shooting a movie on Super 8 or something? Yeah, it, it, it feels almost like we're going to record a film score that sounds like a 60s James Bond score and to do that, we're actually going to engineer These it so that, from so the that 60s. Like we're, micro- we're micing the entire yeah. orchestra at once, we're not cordoning anything off, we're going to do it in, you know, like that, uh-huh. that feels more like that right. almost where it's or, like... Or to e- an even more extreme example, like we're going to record this. Uh, We've built this an music Edison only wax on cylinder. Actual historical instruments, yeah. like mm-hmm. you know, violas rather than modern violins or violas, yeah. and like you know, yeah. which is its own total other interesting excavation of history. Yeah, um, and like, I mean, the thing but, that is weird, the different about this kind of is that even using historical recording techniques, you have to go back pretty far before you get to stuff that actually sounds lo-fi. You know, like mm-hmm. people have been making recordings sound really, really, really good for a, it, it's not as the, whereas in games, you go back only a few years and suddenly it looks to, like this is primitive looking. You know, right. it, it doesn't things it's you have to go a lot further back in other. Maybe eventually games will be like that. Maybe 100 years from now or 50 years from now or even 10 years from now, games will visually change at a less extreme rate than they currently do. Yeah, that is an interesting example, though. I because of this email, I saw this email a few days ago, actually, when I was filtering through some of this stuff, and I looked it up, and there's actually a version of it called Pure Solar and the Architects HD, which you can just get on Steam or wherever else, and it's like a fully 
you know, there's no technical visual limitations right. at all. And apparently it's just like a somewhat mediocre RPG. At least that's the, the, the overall sense I got from reading reviews and reactions. So I don't know if I'm necessarily interested in it as, as a play experience, but it is a really fascinating story because when you look, when you find a tree, it was actually difficult to find a lot of information about the Genesis version because the thing they're focusing on now is selling the actual modern version that human beings can actually buy right. for a modern system. But uh, but the Genesis version is fascinating. I saw a Let's Play of it, and it's it really does look like something out of time. And it's mm-hmm. weird knowing that this was released in 2010 for a system that probably hasn't been sold commercially for 20 years. Right. I don't know when they stopped selling Genesis. Probably about 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little later. 96? Yeah. That's got to be the, towards the end of the Genesis's yeah. life. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the Genesis the, 2 and 3 were out at that point, <laughs> the little, those little tiny ones. Oh, right. I forgot about those. Yeah, yeah weird. Wait, what? They, they, yeah, they, they made like die shrink versions the, of the Genesis hardware, so you could oh. buy it. It's like they, they also made an NES 2 and an SNES 2, yeah. which were just the top, like the weird top loading. The top loading NES. Tiny NES. Yeah. I had those for a while. I had an, I had an NES. And That's SNES the, two, and I had a Genesis three at, in college. I think I, I like because you, those were actually surprisingly easy to get at like Funko Lands and stuff in the mid two thousands because right. that people That's were the only trading NES those I've in to had. get three D uh, consoles. Because mm. I never had an NES when it mm. was a current thing, and when I was in. Living in my old apartment where we used to record Little Thumbs, I bought an NES 2 on eBay, and that's when I played all of the uh, NES stuff that I've really ever played pretty much. And actually, I didn't bring this up when you were talking about Diablo, but that's when I had my experience of playing the original Legend of Zelda, which I've talked about before on the podcast, so it's not worth going into huge detail, but I had the total same experience. Well, you know what's interesting? I was like, the tone of this game is amazing. I, I remember I remember you, you uh, yeah. talking about that, and while I was streaming it, somebody, I was just talking generally about basically the same shit I just talked about, but... Uh, somebody was like, "Oh, I had this exact same experience playing the original Legend, Legend of Zelda. Like, it's it, yeah. oh, it totally blew me away. I didn't think it would be that good." It's like, "Oh yeah, Chris did the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. man, I want an NES Classic, which is weird because I don't. Jake just got one of those. Oh, did you? I As a gift. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben, I want, who, that, I want ben, that dumb thing. Uh, ben Burbank, who's a programmer at Campo Santo, found. He said he heard that it was available on Amazon Prime now, and it was only up for like five minutes. So oh, he pressed man. the button, and then someone just drove it to our office within the hour. Crazy. Yeah, oh my that God. was hardcore. What outputs wow. does that thing have? It's HDMI, right? It's HDMI. HDMI? That's yeah. cool. That's, good. that's what yeah. I would hope. But yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's that's just... got that classic wired controller. Yep. Yep. That's what I want. It's funny that's, that the, that's the reason I the want NES it. The Classic, I looked at the plug that the wired controller uses. I'm like, this thing is hideous looking. What is this mm. plug? It's the plug that you, uh, for the, uh, an extending, extending a Wiimote, like plugging the analog stick into the bottom <laughs> of your Wii oh, remote. Oh, yeah. Which also, I guess, means that you can plug an NES controller into a Wii remote. You can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's weird. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. is this wow. port? This is a total non standard port. Oh, it's that is Nintendo's. such a classic, weird, sideways Nintendo oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. That is only like a tiny percentage of their audience is ever going to do. Yep. And if they just made a fucking enough of them and did it right, yeah, people no. would love it. I mean, does that mean that you could then use the NES controller from the NES Classic to play Virtual Console? NES I believe games? so. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, See, that's this is like really a good. secret thing. Yeah, that I guess you can plug your WaveBird into your Wii. Wii is basically yeah. a dying yeah. system. And, man, I hope but. the Switch doesn't use that port for yeah, anything. I doubt it. Probably it. Won't. I doubt it does. On the back, players will notice there are four ports on the back. <laughs> <laughs> It says Nintendo Each Direct. Each one a different shape. What could it mean? <laughs> uh, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have people streamed that from that thing? I guess there's no point. Pro- I'm you sure. Have later, probably. But, yeah. but it's just. It's just it's a Nintendo. A cool I, I haven't even plugged yeah. mine in yet. Yeah. yeah. 
I was so excited for that thing to come out that I bought two wireless controllers from some vendor, like that I knew would arrive like a couple days after I got my NES Classic in mm. quotes before I knew that there were going to be like three available on Amazon. So now, oh, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I have one now. Take that. Cool. Thanks, Ben Burbank. Thanks, Internet. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, ben. Thanks, thanks, Nintendo. Nathan Jester writes. You're mentioning the lack of comedy in modern games. I think you missed a few important games, though. The Deponia, Mario and Luigi, Luigi's Mansion, Borderlands, and Paper Mario series make a point of being funny throughout and generally succeed. These games are longer and full of dialogue, and with the exception of Luigi's Mansion, have a long plot and large cast of characters. So I don't have a huge point to make here, but I think there are a few modern games that sell themselves on comedy. That's all. Bye. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I would would say that's probably less true for something like Borderlands than of like the Mario and Luigi games for instance but I could be I could maybe it's just because Borderlands didn't work for me personally I yeah I don't know I think it's it's at least the the second thing that people mention when they talk I would about say Borderlands. it's the second thing but I yeah. yeah but like the Mario and Luigi games like Borderlands is like a full service like first person action RPG thing the thing that's different about like like, it's one of its differentiators though is that it has yeah mm -hmm. a sense of humor inside of it right that's true i guess that's still that just still is different than like a comedy film in which the comedy isn't a differentiator differentiator is literally the entire reason for the existence of the thing Mm -hmm. at least in a in a movie that is just a straight out comedy usually Eh, i mean i guess i mean i guess it's i'm making a sort of fine i guess there's no real point to make that distinction i mean those are there are good examples in there I haven't played any of the recent, like, Nintendo wacky RPGs. I but haven't either. I was really into the first couple Mario and Luigi's. Was that on the GBA that those were uh, available for? Yeah, I think GBA, then DS. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Does that... I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah I, but I, I, that is true because my my or my GBA Lite or whatever the little tiny Game Boy Advance was that just looks like an NES controller oh, yeah. still has Mario and Luigi okay. in it. And I, like, yeah, play yeah, yeah. an hour of it every two years and I'm baffled right, by it. right, right. Yeah, those those games were fun. I mean, the reason those games I think seem a little easier to describe as straight up comedy games is because the game they have like obviously they're full featured RPGs in a certain sense, but also there's that is your how much of your brain needs. This is, I guess, what is different to me about Borderlands versus um, Mario and Luigi. Not that anyone needs to fucking distinguish. Thank God and we're having a conversation know, finally, that is, di- is differentiating just- between Mario and Luigi and Borderlands. <laughs> Like, if you play Borderlands... The definitive opinion. I I feel like the majority of what you're thinking about, certainly if you're playing it co-op, is, like, all the action stuff that's going on and the guns you're picking up and all the, like, the shit that's going on. Whereas in Mario and Luigi, like, the gameplay really just does not ask enough of you that it actually sort of overwhelms... Not overwhelms, but, like, fully takes control of your attention yep. in that way at least that wasn't my experience you can kind of just like eh, sort of like amble through those games as like funny stuff happens and there's you probably a version of Borderlands where the comedy gets itself into the mechanical moments as well but it would be very hard to do and like man the uh, an example of, of a company that I think tried to do that and didn't um, and I only know of it because LucasArts published it was when Planet Moon made that game Armed and Dangerous oh, yeah, that game yeah, tried yeah. very much to be you're either a first or a third person character in these arenas full of enemies, but like 
your guns do like, like weird gra- gravity wells or like yeah, yeah a shark pops up out of the earth and eats them or like yeah. you can affix, moon. you can affix sticky mines to people like enemies will run into each other and then like form like enemy catamaris and stuff yeah. like they tried very much to make it like balls to the wall action but the things that you're doing produce goofy results I just don't think that game held together yeah. at Planet all. Moon did that like with with um, that other game Giant, Giants, Giants yeah. With, yeah, yeah the people knew that for, for Giants had that feeling it felt like yeah. even it felt like even MDK2 was getting into that mm. which was shiny but the like I know Planet Moon was an offshoot of yeah. of shiny um, Earthworm Jim of, the, or, of the, those Earthworm Jim people. Yeah. Um, well, Earthworm Jim was more just like it's a very Earthworm Jim was a wacky cartoon platformer with like goofy animations and jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it it like but Border, it was, Borderlands yeah. would be a bad game if it tried to do that stuff. But that's that's. When I think of like the Borderlands sensibility, then translated into the gunplay mechanics, I end up like my brain just basically instantly magnetizes to Armed and Dangerous because I think it's mm. one of the only ones that really, yeah, tried. It almost never. I mean, it just almost never works, right? Yeah. Like there was that game. Uh, no one's gonna remember this because no one cared about this game. But there was this game that was like about a game character. And the conceit was like this game character. Oh, that been was like a, he was like a fake Duke Nukem, right? Yeah, it's like oh, he's been. This is like oh. he's had a whole series, but the series has like oh declined God. over the years. Yeah, I can't remember. And what it was now like, this oh, game I is like his his return. Yeah. His attempt is return to relevance, and the idea was that it's like a hilarious satire. It was bad, and no one Which, is going to remember this game. The... But like, it just when you try and like make the conceit like the a funny conceit of your game that is like informing all the gameplay it is so hard to make that good and I'm, not just I'm painful. a big dummy for not remembering what this is called but it could well maybe not we I feel like we collectively only played it for a couple of weeks when it came out but it was a first person shooter man maybe it was third person shit it was just within the last few years super arcadey where like everything that you shot had huge scores that came up on screen uh oh um and it was like a lot of sort of gunplay rack up combo points was it the epic game was it the I feel like Bullet, Bullet, Bullet Storm? Storm. It was just Bulletstorm. Like oh, yeah, Bulletstorm. It, Bullet like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like Bulletstorm is another, like, you could push that a tiny bit farther and and get goofy with it, I feel like. Um, but well, I think they kind of did, but in a way that was, like, off-putting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you could probably make a game that felt like that mechanically and was less just like, bleh, bleh, you know, I don't know how to describe. Like, <laughs> no, it, I don't remember the game well enough to like, like be really trailer. specific in my descriptions. <laughs> what? I just, the what trailer? The mummy trailer. Less like the mummy trailer. <laughs> <is what you're laughs> yeah, the, that no one has paired, at least in my opinion, has paired the sense of humor that would that would pair with that mechanics, but is kind of healthy and fun with that set of mechanics. It always seems to either. Either the the comedy is just not related to the gunplay stuff, or it's just kind of sickening when you mm-hmm. try to make that stuff funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we haven't. I guess Portal probably falls into this discussion a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not like an out. And well, out, I think like, we mentioned. I think we actually we mentioned, mentioned that Portal. Because Portal's Portal, an example of a okay. game where the I brought up Portal actually. I think because, or if I didn't, I I was remiss in not doing so because the that was to my the point I was trying to make that like so much of comedy is timing. And in a game where the the it's just narration that is 100% authored and does not require you to like participate in a dialogue tree or something, like Glados's lines can just be straight up delivered. I mean, they can respond to things you're doing in the world in coarse terms, but like that game is just the narrative. Of that game is just authored 100%. They talked about that. It might have been end. in in the final days of Portal Two, which was that article. Oh, yeah. That article slash like ebook feature. Yeah. Um, I believe that's where they talked about that. I think they, about 
uh, Chet and Eric sitting in there, like using their stupid Fox Pro spreadsheet or whatever the insane old ass tool is that those guys use to to do dialogue stuff, but just in isolation, just adjusting values to the millisecond of the timing of GLaDOS right. lines versus player events. Cause, yeah. Cause you can, in that situation, yeah. you can just, yeah. you can go in and yeah, she's omnipresent. Yeah. Like she's not a, she doesn't have a physical presence really. I love so. that. I love that voice in valve games was authored in Fox pro for a while. Oh, that was in, um, that I don't remember what Fox, Fox pro, pro is like an old database spreadsheet program uh, like for DOS and windows three one. But crazy. those guys apparently, Oh, that was in, um, Elon Ruskin's GDC talk about the valve dialogue system. I think he said part of his talk was give your, uh, developers the tool that they want to use. And in this case, those guys wanted to use Fox pro, well, fair enough. Because uh, that was a program that they had used in the past and knew, and they want it was what they were pros. Because they're pro, pro foxes. And uh, anyway, it led the return of Matt Hazard. That's Matt it. Hazard. There I kept thinking is. Max or something. Is. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking Max too. Yeah, yeah. that Will be, Arnett voicing the lead of course, uh, character. Oh, of course. Yep. I mean, whatever. He's fine. But but that's just <laughs> that's you just exactly, know that's, that's going to be a exactly bad choice. Get. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well. Uh, Astrum writes on Senpai and dating sims. Dear Idle Thumbs, in a recent podcast you mentioned the Senpai dating game, as well as on this podcast, and you had a rather awkward description of what a Senpai is. Senpai is a term used to signify your superior, though not necessarily teacher, i.e. students a year higher than you in school are Senpai, professional sports people are Senpai, with respect to that sport, etc., Senpai noticed me comes from fangirls and fanboys who see their attempts to reach their senpai or activities in the same interest acknowledged by said senpai. For example, I'm really into rock climbing and an Instagram video of me climbing was liked by a super famous French climber. It's not about purposeful ignorance beforehand per se, although that of course does increase the high afterwards. Extend this to weird dating stuff and you can see where it might go. On Hatoful Boyfriend, it seems like a bizarre dating sim. Uh, but once you really delve in and, and explore all the possibilities and endings, you'll find there's a deeper and really dark and sad story in this game. Huh. Loving the show. Keep up the good work. Sang Jay. Hmm. I didn't play enough How to Full Boyfriend to get to the to the sad dark metal ear. Yeah. and sad story. Yeah, I feel like that was a game that both you and I think Sean were really excited about playing and then bounced off almost yeah, I, instantly. Yeah, I did. I played it with Sarah, actually, because we'd both just seen a bunch of crap about it on the internet. And it was like kind of funny for a while, and then eventually I'm just like, I don't think I care enough about this to keep going. Uh, but I'm glad that there's some weird, like, secret darkness contained in it Yeah. for the people who did play it more. Um, well, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, this is a short podcast, but uh, yeah. we this is our second in a row today. For a long year. And we're, uh, I am exhausted. Yeah. Oh, here's actually a really quick thing that I can just throw in here to in response to something Jake was talking about a few weeks ago. Huh? Um, Owen huh? Goss writes, I was listening to episode 290 and Jake's discussion of Google Earth VR. I think it's one of the best experiences I've had in VR. The first time I tried it, I was standing alone in my home office in my Vive, repeatedly yelling, oh my God, it's good stuff. Jake, I'm not sure if you found this option or not, but if you select the little three dots button in the top right of the in-app menu, you enable human scale. This enables you to fly right down to what appears to be very close to one-to-one scale. Hmm. It's clear that the reason they haven't enabled this by default, because you suddenly see how blocky all the geometry yeah. and textures are, but it makes for some amazing experiences. There's something very strange about standing in front of your own house in VR, but where everything on your street is a lo-fi, dreamlike version of reality. Lo-fi gaming, guys. Oh, man. Oh, shit. All comes together. It's also fun to stand yourself atop of a skyscraper or fly up the side of a mountain. It's really amazing. 
Love the show. Keep casting pods and fishing rods and other things one might cast. Owen, milk bag games. Milk bag. That's cool. I think we had mentioned the the notion of that, or you had mentioned the notion of that, but that it wasn't. I just I had never been able to find it. Yeah. Well, there you go. The thing that like the default where you're just an ultimate giant Godzilla scale. The thing that I was really enjoying was then just basically putting my head down yeah. on the ground and looking at it from like as if the world is a scale model and you're able to just peer into it. But getting that lo-fi street level is also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Oh, here's here's one. Jody <laughs> Jody Winterbottom writes, "Hi Chris, I hope you're well." I'm working with San Miguel to help create the San Miguel Rich List for 2017. What? This list is made up of people rich with life experience as a juxtaposition to the traditional rich list based on material wealth. What? What? Congrats, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I made the rich list, you guys. I don't know what that means. It means you are rich. It means that you bought that $500 iOS app. (laughs) God, do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. yeah. You have a picture of a diamond on your phone, so everyone knows you are rich. Yeah, you are on richlist.app. I'm rich, you guys. Call me Rich. That's my dad's name. That's true. That's your middle name. That's true. I'm on the rich list. <laughs> <laughs> rich is in the list of names that uh, constitute my entire name. It's true. Call it the rich list. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Nick. You're welcome. Thanks to everyone listening or watching this podcast. Should, thanks, Rich. Thanks, Jasper. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I missed that trick. Jasper.com slash idle thumbs. If you... <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's for your Jasper mattress? That's for my Jasper. Yeah, you get, get your $50 off. Yeah. Off your Jasper. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a big apartment building here in town called the Jasper. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I drove by it. And yeah. I saw, oh, a Jasper. Yeah. Hey. It's Prius. Where you, it's where you live. Prius. Hey. Jasper. We're finishing, going out strong, going out so strong. <laughs> if you would like to write us email about any of this crap or anything else, you can do or so please at, something else. at yeah. questions at idlethumbs.net. If you like this podcast, please, please, please consider telling a friend, recommending it, uh, you know, where you talk about games on the internet or anywhere else. Um, we can be found on Twitter at idlethumbs, on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. Our YouTube channel that has this podcast as well as all the other streams we do can be found at youtube.com slash idle videos. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. And as we get into the new year, we'll get back into the streaming schedule. Haven't been streaming in the last week, I imagine because of uh, holiday travel, but thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, we will be back next week. That's true. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Oh.